0: are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene online at bethanynaz.org. Well good morning church. It's, uh, it's a delight to be back home and uh, to be with my home church and even more than that it's, uh, it's great to be in a live service. Uh, this is the first uh, time that I've been in a live service in four months. I've done lots of services online and, and by video, but to be able to worship in long pants is a really good thing. <laughs> I'm enjoying that. And uh, thanks to Pastor Rick for the uh, invitation to to be here. Pastor Rick and Annette are taking a few days of much needed rest uh, with their family and we pray for their restoration and, and for their renewal. I, I've talked to a lot of pastors during this season of COVID and and I can tell you that it's never been harder to be a pastor than it is right now. And it, there's not one thing that's easier about being a pastor today than it was four months ago. And that's a burden that all of our pastors here at BFC carry and, and I hope that you're praying for them and their wisdom and their strength and, and their creativity. That's uh, it's something that sustains them. So Pastor Rick and Annette, uh, if you're watching, we love you, we pray for you, and look forward to having you back here soon. I, I would invite you, if you would, to take your Bibles and turn with me to Isaiah chapter 62. That's the Old Testament reading, Isaiah 62, and then I want to read from Ephesians chapter 6 for the New Testament reading. I'm talking today about the topic, the praying Christian, which seems kind of like an odd thing to say because shouldn't it be obvious that all Christians are praying Christians well let's talk about that would you stand with me as we read first of all from Isaiah 62 and then from Ephesians chapter 6. O Jerusalem I have posted watchmen and watch women on your walls they will pray day and night continually take no rest All you who pray to the Lord, give the Lord no rest until he completes his work, until he makes Jerusalem the pride of the earth. And now let's look at Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. This is the word of God for the people of God, and we all say together, thanks be to God. Lord, speak because your servants are listening. We need to hear from you. Thank you that you are here. In Jesus' name, amen. may be seated. Thank you. One of the advantages of this COVID-19 season, if you could call it an advantage, is that I've been able to stay home a lot more versus traveling in different parts of the world and so I've been able to do more writing than I would normally do and I'm currently working on a book that I'm just simply calling The Praying Pastor. The premise of the book is that there's a difference between a pastor who prays and a praying pastor Now that, seem, that may seem like an obvious difference but, but I don't think it's as obvious as you think because all pastors pray. We, we know that's in their job description. Pastors pray at potlucks, at football games, they pray at weddings, at funerals, they pray for baby dedications, they pray over the phone, they pray in hospital rooms. Pastors pray all day long in various ways. But being a pastor who prays isn't necessarily the same as being a praying pastor. A pastor who prays is someone who wakes up in the morning and they they say, God bless my day, be with this person, be with that person, and then help me to make good choices. And then they go and primarily they rely on their abilities and their instincts. And they rely on their intuition and on their aptitudes and God helps them with that. But that's different than being a pastor who is a praying pastor, someone who, who lives continually in a state of prayer, in a state of dependence and and counting on God to speak in every situation. And I mention that because if I have one regret, after having pastored three different churches over the course of 18 years, including this church, which I love dearly, if I had to tell you which pastor I was, a pastor who prayed, or a praying pastor. I would have to confess to you that I was the first one. And I wish I could tell you something different. It wasn't that I was intending to be disobedient. It was, was, I was growing in my understanding of prayer. But that's primarily, except for a few seasons here or there, for my family and seasons in the church, I think I would be more on the, the pastor who prayed side. And one of the problems with living with that reality, and what I would do differently, I think, if I ever pastored again, is that I, no, I don't know what could have been. I don't know what might have been if I had been a praying pastor on a consistent basis versus a pastor who prayed. And the same is true for us as Christians, that there is a difference between a Christian who prays. Every Christian prays, that's an assumption we make, but that's not the same thing as being a praying Christian uh, and part of it has to do with this issue of control when things are out of control we tend to be more of a praying Christian and because our level of dependency changes now let me tell you another make another confession about being a pastor I could I could change the course or trajectory of a church in about one month if we had to We could change culturally, we could change strategically, and here's why. I had more control. I could could preach sermons, I could cast vision, uh, I could call board meetings, I could have coffee conversations, I could raise funds. And in about one month, if we really had to make a shift as a pastor, we could do it because I was in relationship. I had more control. Now as a general superintendent, there's two million Nazarenes that don't even know me. My, my, my ability to actually help change to happen now is very limited. I have far less control today than I ever had as a pastor. But as a result of being in less control, my dependency on God has increased. My understanding of prayer has grown because now I understand if I'm not a praying general superintendent, there's nothing of eternal value that's really going to happen in the life of the church of the Nazarene. But here's the beauty of it. As your dependency increases, as your loss of control happens, your dependency increases. And as your dependency increases, that also increases your intimacy with God. And as your intimacy increases, so does your peace. I have never been more at peace with the ministry that I'm involved in than right now. And that seems crazy to say that in the midst of COVID-19 and the craziness around the world. But I am so much more at peace now in in the ministry that I'm involved in because I am learning to become a praying general superintendent. And I have not arrived. But I'm growing in my understanding of prayer. So I want to talk to you in the time we have left today about what does it mean to be different than a Christian who prays and a praying Christian. Let me start by saying this. The topic of intercession is kind of a... It can be a tough one to talk about because of people's perception. And maybe it was just me, but for a long time, and and even as a pastor, I felt this way sometimes. I thought intercession was needed. I, I desired to have it. I wanted people to be interceding for me. But I thought the ministry of intercession was actually for two kinds of people. I thought it was for old people, and I thought it was for monks, People who who had five, six, seven hours to pray every day and while the rest of us who actually had to live our lives and who had to get things done, that we kind of counted on those other people to cover us in intercessory prayer. But I've discovered that intercession is something far different than that. To intercede for someone means simply this. It means to act in behalf of or to stand in the gap for someone else. And so let me give you my definition of intercession, and this, there's probably a lot better ones out there, but this is the one that I came up with that helps me understand it, and I think it can help you as well. Take a look. Intercession is specifically praying, and that's a word I really want you to emphasize specifically, for those God has providentially placed in your circle of relationships, all of that's very intentional. Inter- intercession is, say it with me, specifically praying for those God has, say this with me, providentially, that means it's God's design that God has put these people in your lives, placed in your circle of relationships, or you could say your sphere of influence. I use that word specifically because I sometimes hear people say things like this. Oh, every, I pray for all the missionaries in Africa every day. Lord, be with all the missionaries there. Now I'm glad they pray for all those missionaries, but the truth is that's not intercession. People who say, uh, I, "I pray for all the hungry children in India every day," and I'm glad they pray for hungry children in India, but but, but praying for hungry children in India is not intercession, and here's why. Love sees faces. Intercession sees faces. It's not general. It's not vague. In fact, look at what Dietrich Bonhoeffer has to say about an intercession. He, he said, It is clear that intercessory prayer is not something general and vague, but something very concrete. It is interested in, say it with me, specific persons and specific difficulties and therefore specific requests. Do you think he thinks that's important? The more concrete my intercessory prayer becomes, the more promising it is. If there's nothing else you take from this this message today, take away this, love sees faces. When you're praying for someone in an intercessory way, you are bearing the burdens of their life and their heart on yours in a way that you can help them carry that burden. It's, it's, it's in getting into their life, because here's two things that happen when you are praying in an intercessory way for another person, and we'll talk about why that's important in just a minute, but first of all, the gift of intercession brings discernment to you. There is a difference between knowledge and wisdom and discernment. You don't have to be a Christian to have knowledge, you just have to get an education, you just have to read a lot of books. There's a lot of really smart people, much smarter than me that aren't believers that have a lot of knowledge, but it doesn't mean they have wisdom. There's, there's, you don't have to be a Christian to have wisdom. You just have to be paying attention to life. You just have to have some common sense and learn from life experience. And I believe that all wisdom does come from God, but you don't have to be a Christian to have wisdom. However, to have discernment, is a gift of the Holy Spirit that comes only to Christians, in my view, because what it means is that discernment enables you to see beyond the concrete, beyond, be, beyond the physical, and to see what's happening behind the scene. It's to, it's to see what people may not even be able to see about themselves. It's to become aware of needs that another person has and to, and to know how to help that person that you could never gain in any other way except that you were involved in intercessory prayer. Intercession brings discernment. When I was a pastor here, I came in 2004, and uh, Glayfree was still here with us. I don't even have to say her last name for some of you, and you know who I'm talking about. Glayfrey Gilliland was the daughter of Pastor Ponder Gilliland, who pastored here for 16 years. One of the most creative pastors I've ever known. And Glayfrey was single all of her life, but she was a deeply, uh, deeply committed prayer warrior. She wrote a book that if you haven't read it, I just read it again for the fourth time last week. It's called When the Pieces Don't Fit, God Makes the Difference. Incredible book. Go get it, go get it on Amazon t- today if you can. But, but the last 10 to 15 years of her life, Glafree was bedridden. She could not get out of bed. She had a debilitating disease. So she couldn't come to church. She, she couldn't interact with people. But she had an amazing uh, ministry of intercession. And she said to me when I came, Pastor, I'm going to be an intercessor for you. And she said, what I'd like to do is I'd like to call you about once or twice a month just to tell you how I think God is leading me to pray for you and maybe what God might be trying to say to you. Now, I'll, I'll admit, when someone says, God told me to tell you this, especially if it's a stranger, I'm a little skeptical. I don't, I don't listen to all of that. But when someone is as committed to praying for you and to knowing you as much as Glayfrey was for me, when she said, I have something to tell you, I was listening. I told my assistant, Laura, it doesn't matter if I'm having a meeting with the governor of Oklahoma. If Glayfree calls, get me out of that meeting. And she did. Glayfree would call me, and this is kind of how the conversation would go Pastor, I've been praying for you all night long. Okay, the hair on my arm is kind of standing up even as I say that. All night long. And then she would proceed to say, and here's what I believe God is wanting me to say to you. And sometimes she would quote one verse. Sometimes she would say one sentence. I have them all written down. And sometimes all she would say is one word. But I cannot tell you how many times in the one year before Glayfrey went to heaven that she would speak directly into a situation and into a burden that I was carrying that nobody else knew about, Christy may not have even known about it. And how did Gleyfree know? It's because she was interceding for me and God was giving her discernment into my needs. Listen, if you don't want somebody to know the real you, don't ask them to intercede for you. because. As people intercede for you in intercessory prayer, they will have discernment into the needs of your life, and sometimes you won't even be aware of what those needs are until they begin to pray for you and talk to you about it. Discernment is the gift that comes with intercession. If you want to know your kids better, if you want to understand how to be a better parent, start praying for your children in an intercessory way. God will give you discernment. You want to be a better spouse? You want greater intimacy with your spouse? Pray in an intercessory way for your spouse and God will give you discernment into being a better support to them. But that's the first thing I want you to know. That gift of intercession is praying with discernment. Here's the second thing. Take a look at this. The power of intercession provides protection. When you are praying in an intercessory way and you're having discernment for that person, God also begins to provide a, a... a covering of prayer, a a hedge of prayer over them that protects them because part of the protection is is that you're just lifting them up but the other part of the protection is as you pray for them, God is revealing things to them about the the potential danger in their lives. Uh, Let me tell you about another prayer uh, intercessor for me in my second church in Kansas City and her name was Joanne and Joanne actually may be watching this but Joanne... uh, called me one day and she said, Pastor, I want you to know something. You're a young pastor. I think I was in my early 30s at the time. She said, there's lots of beautiful women in this congregation uh, on your staff. You've got a lot of young women on your staff. And, And she said, I am praying every day for your protection from sexual temptation, that God would protect you from sexual temptation. Now, I hate to admit this, but I did the pastoral thing kind of to her face, and I smiled, and I said, thank you, Joanne. But on the inside, I kind of did an inner eye roll. Because I was thinking, Joanne, why are you praying for me like that? My relationship with Christy is as strong as it's ever been. Our passion, our intimacy is, is wonderful. I, I don't, sexual temptation is not an issue for me right now. And boy, did the Lord check me on that. A few days later, I just felt the Lord kind of impressing on me. David, who do you think you are? Do you think that one of the reasons why maybe sexual temptation has not been an issue in your ministry to this point is because there's a person named named Joanne who is actually praying that it won't be? And I, I had to go back to Joanne a few days later and say, Joanne, I apologize to you because I did not take you seriously. I I, but I don't want you to stop praying that prayer because I'm counting on that prayer as a means of my protection. That's one of the, the powerful things that you provide is you not only are given discernment into the needs of the people you love because your love sees faces, but also you're covering them with a power of protection because they're becoming aware of potential danger. So let's talk for a few minutes about this idea of of the practice of intercession. And this is the last thing we're going to do this morning. And and it's different for everybody. I'm just going to tell you what I've been doing in my own life and how I'm growing in this area. And maybe this will help you because here's one of the challenges that I found. I don't know what to pray for. There's so many needs out there. I mean, how in the world do you even know where to start? And when you don't know what to do, Sometimes that leads you to frustration and and guilt and other things, and so you just kind of avoid it altogether. But I'm going to give you a couple of simple things that I believe are true scripturally and that can be very practical for you in your life. So if you want to take some screenshots or write these down, I think these can help you. First of all, where do you start? You begin with those you live with and that you know best. And so if you're married... That would mean your spouse your number one intercessory prayer person in your life if you're married is your spouse that's that's number one if you have kids your kids are on that list that's number two pray for your kids by name every single day if you have grandkids you do the same thing now i had the privilege of having a dad who was a praying dad and my dad worked for SNU. He worked in the maintenance department for more than 20 years. We lived in a little tiny, little tiny, maybe 900-square-foot house right over on Penile. My bedroom didn't even have a foundation. It, was, it had just these, these kind of poles holding it up, and I could literally touch both sides of the room when I was in it. And then our little tiny kitchen was right next to it, and every day before my dad went to work, he would sit at that little dinette table in that tiny little kitchen and he would pray out loud. And I woke up, my alarm clock for the first, you know, 15, 16 years of my life was hearing my dad pray for me by name and my sister. Talk about impact. Now, praying for my kids is something that I've been doing for since I was a, a young father. Because even then, it was like the Lord impressed on me. David, I've given you these three kids, Megan, Ben, and Madison... Who else is supposed to be praying for them? Who's, whose responsibility is it? Is it youth pastors? Is it children's pastors? Is it grandma or well, maybe grandma? But who else knows them better? If I've given you these three gifts of these three children, you're the one that has the privilege and the responsibility to pray for them. And so I, I've done that their entire lives. I prayed for every single one of them by name and by situation. I still do that every single day. I pray for them, I pray for my five grandchildren, and I pray for Christy. I've told my kids, I can't give you everything, but one of the gifts I can give you is you can be assured that until I have no breath left to give, that there's one person in the world who is calling out your name to the Father every single day. And I still do that for them. By the way, by praying for them, I knew things they didn't know I knew. So maybe that's the revelation. You don't have to have social media to know what your kids are doing. You just have to pray in an intercessory way for them. And the Lord helps you discern. Sometimes you pray scripture over your children. For example, here's a scripture I might pray. I pray that Megan, God, being rooted and established in love, that she may have power together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and how long and how deep and how full is the love of Christ, that Megan may be filled to all the measure of the fullness of God. When you don't know how to pray for them, you pray things like that. Or you pray for your grandkids like this. Lord, I pray that Jackson will not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but that Jackson will be transformed by the renewing of his mind. Praying scripture over your kids, your parents, your spouse is a gift. That's your number one priority. Second priority, what's the next step? Look at this. I just pray for my colleagues and my ministry partners. For you, it might be the people in your office, it might be your boss. Uh, when I was here pastoring Bethany first, part of my intercessory prayer was for our pastoral staff. I couldn't pray for 4,000 people every day. Uh, maybe some pastors do, but I, I didn't do that. But I did pray for Lewis and Rita. I prayed for uh, Harlan and Barbie. I prayed for the staff and their children. I still do that today. I pray for the six general superintendents, I pray for their spouses, I pray for their kids. Pastor Rick probably prays for the church board. Whoever that is, the, the teachers you work with, your colleagues, maybe if you're we're in banking like Clay is, maybe it's, you pray for your customers. You pray for the people in your sphere of influence. And it's not hard to do. You don't have to pray for every person in the world. You just pray for those God that has brought into your sphere. So pray for your ministry partners. Pray for people closest to you. I'm going to give you two more. And as we get into these... These, are, these last two are gonna be different, and I really want you to hear these because the first two are kind of obvious. The second two may not be as obvious, but this is one of the things I'm learning. Look at number three, pray for what is important to you. Now, some of you may be saying, David, that kind of sounds self-centered. And couldn't you really deceive yourself if you just prayed for things that you were passionate about? And what if your passions were wrong? Well, let me ask you this. I'm talking to believers today on the whole. If the Holy Spirit is at work within you, what does it mean in Psalm 37, 4, where it says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, I think we all know that that doesn't mean that just because you're living a fully surrendered life to God, that, that you're going to have a nice house and a nice car and your kids are going to obey you and all those kinds of things. That's not what it means to say he's going to give you what you want. It means he's going to give you the desires of his heart in you. That as you pray, as you grow in your intimacy with God and in your discipleship, that the very things he wants you to carry as burdens... And passions, he's going to place there. He will give you the desires. That's one of the joys of walking with God, the things you become passionate about. You ever been around somebody that all they can talk about is foster care? And you're like, you know, I, I think that kids need parents, but good grief. That's, this, that's all they can talk about. That's because God's made it a desire of their heart. They pray about it. Somebody with human trafficking, that's all they can talk about. I'm not for human trafficking, but good grief. You know, some people just say it's like all they can talk about. What's that about? God put that desire there. And for each of you, as you grow in your relationship with God, God's going to give you passions. And you shouldn't shun that and turn it away, but once you know it's from God, make that a matter of prayer for you. What's important to you? Um. Some of you know I grew up in, in the Williams Nazarene Church over in 50th and Rockwell. That's a much smaller church than BFC. And I grew up in a Christian home and I was kind of, you know, just the kid that was there every Sunday except for age 16 to 19. When I really drifted away from the Lord and I, and I definitely drifted away from the church. I think there was an entire year where I the only time I went to church was one time and that was to get married to Christy. And the whole church was afraid for me. They were all praying for me. I was like the prodigal of William's church. But there were five men in that church that made a decision. God put the desire in their heart to pray for me. And they said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to come to the church every Wednesday morning before work, 7 o'clock, and we're going to spend the first half hour of that Wednesday morning doing nothing else, except praying for David Busick's salvation. And do you know for the next nine months, those five men did that? It was the most miserable year of my life. (laughs) I was under so much conviction, but it was the best year of my life, because my heart changed. Five men. God gave them a desire for my salvation, and that's all they could pray about. I'm so indebted to them and thankful to God for putting that burden on their heart. What's important to you? What if God put it there because he wants you to be an intercessor for it? What if, what if if you didn't intercede for that issue that it may not be interceded for? Now, I doubt that's going to happen, but take it seriously. That's number three on the list. And number four in the last one, and this is how simple, I think, intercessory prayer is. Pray over divine appointments. Now, what's a divine appointment? Sometimes people will say things to me like, David, how do you intercede for the whole world? How do you pray for 161 countries of the world where the church of the Nazarene is? Or, uh, how, Do you pray for 2.6 million? Na-? No, I, I don't do that. I mean, it, I'd, just, I'd just be too overwhelmed. But what I do pray for are divine appointments, and here's why. And this is going to sound very simple, but I want it to be simple because I believe it's, it's this easy. God orders my steps. Psalm 37 says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. God orders my steps. You ready for this? God orders your steps. Your life is not a series of random coincidences. If, if you think as a spirit-filled Christian that, that the things that happen to you are just random or accidents or don't really mean anything, then, then you believe in God, but you're a functional agnostic. An agnostic believes that God is kind of involved in the world, but that the details don't really matter, and God's kind of distant, and whatever happens, happens. That's why people can separate kind of church life from work life, from play life. That's Their life is so segmented because they're, they're basically agnostics. But if you're a spirit-filled Christian, that means the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, is in you, and he is actually ordering what happens in your life. It's not accidental, Now, I'm not talking about weird stuff. I'm not talking about, Lord, should I go to Cane's today or Chick-fil-A? Cane's, well, it's probably going to be Chick-fil-A. But I, I don't think God cares where you eat lunch. But do you think that those people you run into are just kind of interruptions, accidental? What if every person you met in a day, even today, the people you had a brief conversation with... the the lady who's been standing for seven hours on that little pad in Walmart hoping she doesn't get COVID, what if that little five-minute interaction was not random? What if you were actually called in that moment that God kind of intersected you with that person and that your job wasn't just to be nice, but maybe it was to be some encouragement to her? Or maybe even deeper, you don't know her name, but what if you were called to actually pray for her? Pray for her in that moment. And what if God kept bringing her to your mind? See, I don't. I just don't believe in coincidences. If there is such a thing as coincidence, it means it's God undercover. The Holy Spirit is directing your life every day. We just don't notice them. Are full of opportunities. So what I do is, I kind of review my day the next morning, and I think, Who did God bring me into contact with? And I spend time praying for the Walmart lady. I, I pray for the, the postman that I've come to know. And when I'm walking in the morning, the, the, the neighbor that I always run into, I don't think those are random accidents. Now, how many of you know who Jim Deal is? Jim Deal is a retired general superintendent, one of my favorite people. He told me something one time that really helped me. I think it will help you too. He said, God speaks to you through checks and through prompts. Now, here's what a check is. A check, he said, is a red light. That's where it says, stop, David. Don't say that. Don't act that way. That's not a Christ-like spirit. It's, it's a check in your spirit. David, don't tell that person that thing. How many of you know the Lord sometimes protects you from saying the wrong thing? That's a red light. But he said there's also prompts. And the prompts are the green light. The prompts are... Or David, say this. David, give this. David, help her. David, uh, call him, text him. And that's continual, this conversation. That's the praying without ceasing that we're talking about. That's the Holy Spirit active in your life. And you don't learn it just by becoming a Christian. You learn it by practice of learning to discern the difference between your voice and the Spirit's voice. Uh, now you say, David, how do you know whether I'm supposed to do so- What if I make a mistake? What if I misjudge what the Lord wants me to do or say to another person? That could happen. First of all, I think if your heart's right, that the Lord's going to cover a multitude of mistakes that you would make and use it in a graceful way. But here's three things I do. These are very, 30 seconds. Listen. Number one, is it scriptural? God's not going to ask you to do anything that's against his word. God's not going to ask you to kill somebody. God's not going to say go steal that because that's 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 against His word. Number two, is it is it self promoting? What's your motive in doing this thing? Is it it, sometimes we can do the right thing for the wrong reason? Do I am I just going to say this because I want that person to say what a great guy David is? No, is it self promoting? And number two or number three, is it persistent? Does it just keep growing in you till finally you can't quit thinking about it? And every time you go to prayer, you know what I'm talking about. It's still in your mind. Those three things together, to me, are a pretty good indication that's God's Spirit directing you. Have you ever been driving down the street and, and you, you, you see a guy in a pickup and you say, hey, that looks like Pastor Chris? That's not Pastor Chris, but but it sure looks like him. And then you kind of keep driving along, and now all you can think about is Chris. And What if that persistence was actually the Holy Spirit's green light to say to you, why don't you go ahead and pray for Chris? This is a divine appointment. You don't know what Chris is going through, but pray for him. And if it stays persistent, maybe you need to send him a text. I don't think those things are random. I think that's how the Spirit covers intercessory prayer. I I was in Africa four months ago, and I was having breakfast. I was eating my omelet. And God brought to my mind Pastor Steve in California. I hadn't thought about Steve in years. A guy who's pastored the same church for 25 years. He pastors an urban church. He's he's an outstanding pastor. But now, in the middle of my omelet, I can't quit thinking about Steve. So now I know that this is persistent. So I took a risk. It was 8 o'clock in the morning there, and it was like 11 p.m. where he was. But I sent him a text, pastor, thinking about you today, I hope you're well, God's with you, love you. In 15 seconds, I get a text back from Steve. He said, I, couldn't, I can't believe you sent this to me. He said, and I, I'm not kidding, this is what he said, this has been the hardest day of ministry in 30 years. I'm sitting here trying to think, what am I going to say to my people tomorrow morning? And I was just full of doubt and full of fear. And I needed to be reminded that God was with me. And he said, your text did that. And we proceeded to have like a five, 10 minute text conversation. Me in Johannesburg, Africa. Him in San Diego. I give myself zero credit for that. But I thank God that God didn't let me give up on praying and actually reaching out to Steve. Because it made the difference for him that night. I don't believe these are accidents in your life. And when you start praying for divine opportunities and you start praying, God opens doors that you couldn't believe. In fact, I have this theory, and with this I'm gonna close. My theory is this, if every single Christian, if just you, just prayed about those people providentially placed in your sphere of influence and your circle of relationships, and you were just faithful to pray for the things that God put as burdens on your heart, and those divine appointments, if that's all you did, don't pray for the whole world. Just pray for those things. What that would mean is that there would be a minute by minute, week by week, 24-7 prayer covering of the entire world. It It would be an intercessory blanket of prayer that would never stop. This is your calling, and my my prayer for you, what if BFC wasn't just a church that prayed? What if you were a praying church, learning new dependency on God? The control is less, the intimacy is greater. There's, There's a joy and a richness in an intercessory prayer life. And that's what I hope for for you. And lastly, the reason I know this is so important to God and to the kingdom is because, do you know what the scripture says Jesus is doing right now? Jesus, the the risen, ascended Christ who is coming again, the Bible says he's interceding for you right now Jesus is praying for you and he's praying for the world and if the son of God on his throne believes that deeply in the power of intercessory prayer then we can grow into that too I ask you to stand right now listen this is a big week kids are going back to school. My goodness, if you're a parent, I can't imagine kind of the concerns you might have right now. Some of the fears, those teachers, are teachers who are here. This is a scary week for some of us. Lots of scary stuff, politics, disease. Let's become a praying people. Let's pray for each other. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are with us. Thank you that you're teaching us to be a praying people. Lord, thank you for the lack of control that you're bringing into my life that's bringing greater intimacy and greater dependence on you. Lord, I I release that again to you Help us to learn to pray for our families, to pray for our colleagues, to pray for our passions, and to believe that you are working in all of those little details and divine appointments throughout our day. We trust you to help us become praying Christians. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.